welcome. This is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestoninzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe so we can help you master the art of selling. You win some, you lose some. The one thing that's going to be guaranteed to achieve when working in the world of sales is that some days you'll win some deals and some days you're going to lose some deals. There's not much you can do about it. But what you can do is reflect on the opportunities that might not go the way you want them to go. And the opportunity that you have is to also reflect on the ones that do go the way you want them to go. The self-reflection piece when it comes to selling is critical. And there's a couple of characteristics that separate high performers from everybody else. And I want to break them down before we get into this episode. A couple of the characteristics, and one of the main ones, is a salesperson's ability to be coachable, a salesperson's ability to reflect and make some adjustments when required, both when they have a positive experience and a negative experience. Because remember, every experience allows us to improve our capability if we have an open mindset. We're able to take that opportunity to improve what we do. Now, for some of us in in the world of sales, we don't have access to incredible coaches. We don't have access to leaders who are open to helping us. And there's not much we can do about it, right? If we're in a role where the company has sales managers that just don't coach, does that mean you don't coach yourself? No. Does that mean you don't go and find ways to improve? Absolutely not. Well, one thing that we have a luxury of selling in today's modern environment is we have a number of tech tools that allow us to go back and look at the opportunities, hear the calls that we have with our prospects and kind of after the fact, really assess what went well and what we could have done differently. And I want you to think about this because if you think about the best athletes in the world, what is it they do meticulously? They review the game tape. They go back and have a look at, okay, what could I have done differently to get a better result or to improve and find that extra 1%. Now, this week's episode, we're talking to someone who ran Miller-Hyman. I mean, anyone that's worked on strategic accounts in the past 20, 30 years would have come across Miller-Hyman. Their concepts have essentially allowed salespeople, including myself, to close multi-million dollar opportunities. They take you outside of the world of the transaction and really make you think strategically about selling. But what David's really passionate about, what we're going to talk today about, is we're going to talk about the self-coaching element. Because again, if you haven't got that manager that's a coach, if you haven't got that direct access to a coach that can help you see things differently, then the opportunity sits with you. You've either got to find that opportunity to self-reflect, identify opportunities to improve, or you don't. And if you don't, things are just going to keep happening and you might not see the outcome that you want to see. Revenue operations is much more than words in a job title. It's a movement that is transforming sales, marketing, and customer success teams into high-performing revenue drivers. RingDNA is a recognized Gartner cool vendor that makes RevOps possible by driving improved operational efficiency and revenue capture from sales, marketing, and customer success. Trusted by the top companies across the globe, RingDNA offers a complete sales engagement, conversational intelligence, and revenue intelligence platform for Salesforce customers. Learn how we can transform your results at ringdna.com. That's ringdna.com.
So I'm really pumped to get onto this conversation today with David because this is a great opportunity for all salespeople, even marketers, anyone that's trying to think about how can I do things a little bit differently? How can I coach myself to achieve a better outcome? Because that's what it's all about. When, we're, when we have the ability, when we, when we have an open mindset, a mindset of growth, it enables us to be the very best we can be. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, thanks, Luigi. Great to be here. Mate, I'm uh, pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped to talk about, you know, the topic of how we can, we can self-coach and self-reflect to help us drive, you know, more conversions and more sales and more opportunities through the pipeline. So I'm really excited about this episode, David. But before we get into this episode, we'd love to learn a bit more about you and how you started in the world of sales. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I started back when I graduated from college. I went to work for this company called Miller Hyman. You might have heard of them before, a sales yeah. consulting company. <laughs> and I went to work there as a sales rep. Sold the programs, worked with them for a number of years, moved into management roles, and, and by the end was leading the sales channel. I've since gone on and worked in an organization. I went to work for a staffing company and led sales for a $2.7 billion staffing company before now, realizing that a lot of companies put sales training in and they struggle to get it to be successful because you know these you can have great intellectual property but if you don't if you don't get the frontline managers engaged and reinforcing mm. it you're going to have a challenge and that's why I started this company and started working with John Hoskins and the company called Level 5 Selling. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean obviously look for for most organizations the brand Miller Hyman the name is such a famous name when it comes to kind of sales training there's so many incredible books that they had created. I mean I know that that was one of the books that helped me land my first kind of multi-million dollar opportunity was Strategic Selling by Miller Hyman. So, you know, the, coming through that business, what did it sort of allow you to learn from a strategic selling versus kind of transactional selling? Well, strategy is so critically important. I, you mentioned how it made such a big difference for you, Luigi, yeah. in, in your career. I say that too. I mean, it made a massive difference in my career. In fact, I was running this staffing company. We started off as $59 million and we grew it to over $150 million. And the CEO of the parent company said, what, what are you doing over there? And I rolled my chair over and I grabbed the book from, the, from a credence and I said, I just am implementing this and doing exactly what it says. And that and was really what happened. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I ended up getting promoted to become the head of sales for the parent company where we had all kinds of different brands underneath it. But it really came down to how you go about implementing it because it's a great process and great system, yeah. but if you just install it and don't reinforce it later, it's just going to fall apart. If you get the managers really behind it, man, great mm. things happen. And that's the way it is with any type of sales you, sales process or sales system yeah. you put in place in a company. Yeah, it's an interesting thread of conversation, right? Because I think there's one thing that we in the sales professional don't, like there is a complete abundance of content and information to help sellers be the best they can be right when we think about it like now more than ever before we are living in an, in an age of information is just readily available you know go to market models sales process coaching models more so than what it was like when i first started my career yet when we look at the, the data um we have coaching you know from leaders is at an all-time low right like the amount of time coaches spend or leaders spend with their team coaching is low. The amount of salespeople hitting target, low. Like it's, you know, what are we like? 60 to 70% of salespeople are missing their target. The buyer and selling trust gap is 
bigger than ever before. I think some reports are suggesting, you know, 60 to 90% of buyers don't trust sellers. So even though the profession has evolved over the past few years, information has become more and more readily available for sellers. The gap just doesn't seem to be getting bridged. Like we'd love to hear your opinion on why there is such still a big gap when it comes to skills, coaching, pipeline, and trust. The one of the key segments of what makes a successful sales professional. It's a great question. There's such great content out there that people will put in place and then they're not getting the results from it. And I, I really believe that it comes down to the fact that it, it comes down to that frontline sales manager to salesperson interaction. And if you don't get that right, mm. you're going to be challenged and you're going to have a hard time. You'll, you'll be interested in this. I ask people often, how much time do you spend, managers, how much time do you spend coaching? Yeah. And they'll say, well, I spend most of my time coaching. And then when you really define what coaching is, which I think is anytime you spend face-to-face -face or phone-to-phone -phone or even Zoom-to-Zoom -zoom with a salesperson, focusing on activities and behaviors that can help them improve and be better in their, their role. If you define it like that, we're getting down to a lot of salespeople down as low as 10% of their time is spent coaching. Wow. So now you're talking about a sales manager might spend 50, 60 hours a week working and they're only spending four to six hours actually truly coaching. Oh, that's a huge issue. How yeah. are you moving the needle? And, and what, you know, what really amazes me about this particular topic, it's that, Again, when you look at the data, when managers spend more time coaching, they're producing better results. The seller is achieving better conversion rates. They're, you know, better forecast accuracy. So all the lead indicators are higher when a manager spends more time coaching, yet a lot of leaders aren't doing that. And this is why I think this is going to be such a great conversation and a great learning for, you know, our listeners, because... I think, and, and again, there's one of two things that sellers can do. They can either wait for somebody to coach and guide them, but if they're not getting that, they can either take action themselves and try to find a way to improve. And I think this is where I really want to focus today's conversation and ask you, if you're a sales professional listening to this right now going, you know what, David, I'm hearing you. My manager spends no time coaching. I'm not hitting target. I'm having kind of pipeline, a fluctuating pipeline or roller coaster pipeline. Of performance, what can I do to self-coach? How can I put in place a process that I can evaluate what I'm doing and find the way to improve my sales process? What a great question around self-coaching. Mm. And it's when you, we actually bring sales managers together often and we'll ask them, what does a quality sales call look like? And we'll say individually, I want you to write it down. And what happens is they come back and they don't agree on what a quality sales call looks like. So my question is, is how can you ever achieve quality in an organization if the managers can't agree on what a quality call looks like? Now think about the same thing from a salesperson yeah. perspective, because this is more in line with your question. What does quality look like for you when you're going on a sales call? Mm -hmm. And you have to really define what that looks like. And when you do, that will allow you to be able to self-coach really well. So let me give you an example. In our book, Level 5 Selling, we define five levels of a quality sales call. And I'll share those. And I think it's good because it's, it's about each individual sales call. When you look at level one, that is a professional visitor call. That's where you go out, yeah. you think friends buy from friends, you have a conversation with people, you never really get any deep issues. And the problem is you only have so many friends. So that's a level yeah. one call. And we find about 10 to 15% of calls fall in that category. Level two, we define it as a price seller. 
you know, you call up and you say, hey, what, how much are you paying for this? We can get you the same thing for a lesser price. And we know the challenges with that. We need to be adding value. Yeah. The third, and, and by the way, about 10 to 15% of calls fall in that price seller category too. The third is a really big one. I would call it an epidemic, which is a transactional seller. And these are people that know their product, service, and solution really well, and they just can't wait to tell you all about it. Mm. And they get into demo mode and presentation mode, and they're not really understanding what the issues are of the, of the customer. Those first three levels are where we find that the biggest scrap and waste happens in sales calls, where they, it just fails to move the buying process forward. And, and about, by the way, Luigi, about 60% of calls that we find are, are scrap and waste, meaning they're not moving the sales call forward. Wow. It's huge. Now, when you get up to level four, you're getting into the first level of professional selling, which is truly understanding what's important to your customer, asking mm. great questions, linking back a solution, differentiating through unique strengths, gaining commitment, keeping the sale moving forward. Those are all elements of finding, you're finding a spot for your solution. And then the fifth is the level five is the biggest of all of them. That's a value creator. People who are value creators and companies have far, far higher uh, close rates and also average deal sizes. Same with level yep. four and five. And this is where you understand what's important to your customer, but you are, you're helping them shape their thinking, shape the solution. You're bringing new ideas to the table for them. So those are the five levels. And when you talk about self-coaching, one thing that happens is we all have calls that fluctuate on that. We might have a predominant yeah. area where we fall. I had a call not long ago and I got done. Luigi, I'm like, what was that? I was a, I was a level three seller in that call. That's not who I am. But I knew right away where I was going wrong and I knew what I needed to do to get it back on track for, for future calls. And I, I fell into a trap. And yeah, so I think so, that type of self-assessment is helpful. This is awesome. I think that example that you've given, right, like that's sort of the breakdown of level one to five. And I think all of us, regardless of how mature we are and how much of a professional we find ourselves, you know, being, but I know I had that same experience this week, David, I, I had a meeting with the global sales director and it was actually, was really excited. You know, I'd reached out to the chief sales officer. I'd got a meeting with his global um, head of sales. I was excited about it. And for some reason, I don't say some reason, I didn't prepare before the call, like I usually do, right? I didn't think about, okay, let me have a look at this. Let me think about my questions. What's my agenda? What could be, uh, you know, I didn't give it enough thought. And so I get into the call and before, it's kind of like just a completely reactive call. I'm there presenting features and benefits. I'm there kind of talking about what we do. And we get to the end and there was kind of like nowhere to move forward. And I felt the, the, not the tension, but I felt kind of the prospect going, well, this has been a bit of a waste of my time. And I asked, I said, you know what, look, it's obviously have, we haven't arrived at a point of success here. What, what could I have done differently? And she said, well, you probably could have spent more time in the discovery stage of the sales process. And then as I get off the phone, I reflected and I'm like, okay, what would I have done differently? And I can, I can, you know, if I was coaching somebody on that, I didn't follow the fundamental steps in selling, which was, you know, be prepared, take the time to think about my questions. What would be the questions that would help me create that value? I think level five value creation comes from asking some deeper questions. So, you know, I would love to sort of learn from you right now. If you've recognized through that self-evaluation that you've just sort of mapped out, what's the first step one can take? to start to make some changes? It's a great question. I think one thing you said, Luigi, because you're one of the best salespeople out there, 
Yeah, we all have bad calls every once in a while. It happens. But here's what is so good. You went back and reflected on that call. It wasn't what you wanted. And you reflected and you thought about where you went wrong so you don't make that mistake again. If you don't have that definition of what the quality looks like, what are you reflecting on? How it didn't go well. You know, why didn't it go well? I don't know. You know exactly where it went wrong. So I would say that the best thing you could do is, is really get done with your calls, look back on it, reflect. What kind of call was that? Was that a level three call? Was it level four? Was it level five? What could I have done to make it a level five call? I could have spent yeah. more time up front. I could have planned better. I could have asked better questions. Maybe I should have done my research ahead of time and I could have found out that there was an opportunity over here. Things like that can be, are, are things I think are important for us to do in the reflection stage. Yeah. And the other thing I want to, I want to ask you, I did a poll recently and we had, you know, I don't know, maybe a thousand um, votes on this particular poll about agendas. Do you, and I think I tagged you on that poll. It really surprised me that nearly 70% of people just don't have agendas. They're kind of, they're either rock up without an agenda. They get in there and they make it up on the go. And it's just, it's completely surprised me. I mean, is that something that from a level five, like when we're looking at that level five structure, how important is an agenda for you when it, when it comes to the sales process to get that value creation part of the process in bed, in place? Oh, oh hugely important. I mean, the, the amount of planning we do prior to call is absolutely critical. When things go wrong in a call, a lot of times we just didn't plan really well. When we plan well, I mean, sometimes they go off the rails, you know, even when we plan, but yeah. much less likely because we, we think about those things. It's really important. In fact, we used to do this, you know, when I was at Miller Hyman, we'd ask the question frequently, how many hours a week do you work? And people would say, oh, you know, 50 hours a week, 55 hours a week. And we'd say, how much time do you actually spend selling? And then we'd say, well, let me define selling. That's anytime you spend face-to-face -face or phone-to-phone -phone with somebody uncovering some sort of gap as to where they are today or to where they want to be. And, you know, the actual time is about uh, five to eight hours per week is spent actually selling. Wow. So it's crazy to think that we yeah. would go into a sales call and not plan the call. We're spending so little time in front of people. Let's make sure we do the best we can with that time. Absolutely. That's so interesting. So actually, um, I'm really enjoying this conversation, I think, because again, I love that. I love that level five and I love the five, you know, the fifth step of looking at it going value creator. And can we kind of just spend a bit of time there and help us define what is a value creator? Yeah, it's, I think the difference between when we talk about level four, which is a product service consultant and a value creator level five, the distinction between those is really key. One of them is about understanding the first one, product service consultants, about understanding what's important to your customer, linking back a solution, you know, asking good questions, linking back a solution, differentiating. It's about finding a fit for where, for what you have. So I've got a solution. I'm looking for a fit there and I'm, yeah. I'm walking down that path. When you get to the value creator, you're beyond that. You understand your customer's business really well. You're asking questions and you're, you're really in a mode of helping them bring, bring value to them and bringing solutions to the table that may be even beyond what you provide, the solution that you provide. You're helping shape the thinking of that, per, of that particular individual and shape the solution. Think about this. In organizations, those that's, that are the top, top salespeople in an organization, they do that and they do that regularly. I used to say in sales training, a lot of sales training does a good job of teaching you how to ask good questions and understand what's yeah. important to your customer and standard stuff. But it fails, to, it fails to really focus on how you add that value beyond your solution itself. And when you do that, your sales are, are far, far greater. So 
this is interesting, right? Because in order to create value, we must really have a clear understanding of the environment our customer is working in, the challenges that they're experiencing and the outcomes they seek to achieve. But when we actually think about that, we've got to be thinking about, and this is just my sort of perspective when I look at it going, because I do spend a lot of time, David, really thinking about this. This is something that I constantly think about. It's, you know, that value creation piece for me is what separates me in, in that conversation with the customer from my competition. Because I'm constantly thinking about what value can I create here that will help the buyer determine an unrecognized need that then allows them to see me as someone who is adding value even before they buy from me, right? That's something that's been a value of mine for a number of years and it's really served me well. Again, you're listening to this, you've gone, okay, value creator, going deeper. I'm not doing that right now. Where can I start to make that change? Well, business acumen is a really important piece. Understanding business acumen and, and how your buyer may be looking at their business as well, overall. How, how are they impacting their customers? What are they doing in their business to be, to be successful? So understanding that you have to step out of your shoes from what you're selling and into your customer's shoes. And what would I be doing mm-hmm. if I were in that person's shoes? And what value do I have that I can bring to the table? I remember when I was very first started selling, my sales manager just said to me, it, it was brand new, brand new sales job. And he said, David, if you can just get it through your head, you're in the business of helping people and not selling people, you're gonna be successful. I remember that. And he was right. It's such a simple thing to say, but it is yeah. what expertise can I bring to the table? Another thing I think that's important too, Luigi, is you need to understand the business that you're going into. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to do your research. What's going on in their industry? What are some of the trends that are happening? I like looking at annual reports and reading about companies. And in there, you, you can tend to find, you know, we, we can find in the US, we'll find 10Ks that have risk factors. You can read a lot about things that are they're worried about as a company. Mm. And you can think about ways you can help to impact that. Now you're having different conversations with people and you're, you're really viewed differently when you have those conversations. Yeah. And what if your task, right? Because, you know, especially the world of technology has really embraced the kind of manufacturing process when it comes to sales process, the assembly line model, right? They split the top of the funnel function from the person actually helping the buyer progress to the point of decision. And then you've got customer success. So you kind of got the three buckets of functions. And historically, and even today, most people moving into that top of the funnel um, pipeline creation piece, they're young, mid-20s, and I'm not suggesting anything bad because I was that person, right, that was on the phone. They're getting a, a short sort of boot camp of induction when it comes to training. And then they're being asked to have conversations because you're saying that in order to progress to level five, we've really got to lead with a point of view. and create value, but they don't have that business acumen yet. They're not being taught the business acumen and how to have that commercial conversation. There's a disconnect, right? So if you, if you are, if you are listening going, well, I'm at the start of my career, I'm, you know, 24, 25, and I don't have all that commercial acumen yet. And I want to get there because I want to be that value creator. Where can I start? To build that skill set. Well, the fact that you want to be a value creator is the, the start. You want yeah. to get there. You understand you need to get there. And I would, in that particular situation, I'd be learning as much as I can about, their, about the industry you're selling into. You've yeah. got a very specific industry, learn about it, read about it, read industry publications, look at the trends that are going on. Mm. I mentioned about reading what's, 
you know, these publicly held companies have all kinds of great yeah, information awesome. you can read and very common on what the risk factors are, what they're challenged with. Get your arms around that. And the other thing I'd say, ask great questions to your customers and listen to them. Because the more you do that, the more experience you're going to get and the more you're going to be able to, to jump in there and, and be able to help them. There's also a lot of different courses out there around business acumen that can be very helpful too, because it, it teaches you how does an executive look at their business? You know, how, how are they looking at the finances and what, what are things that would be important to them? You know, jumping into that and learning business acumen is a, is a key to getting to that level five value creator as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's just, David, I think that's, that was my biggest, you know, the biggest moment of a high in my career was when I realized in order for me to have deeper conversations with the C-level, I needed to get a better understanding of what's happening in their world. And, you know, I, I'll never forget the day that I, I actually had a sale that just didn't go to plan. And I asked the, you know, the operations director because he was a person I was selling to, if he could just give me some insight into what's going on in his world and, and just give me some coaching. And he did. And the learning was amazing. And then from there, I just decided to go and talk to others just like him. And all of a sudden, my focus and the questions that I asked completely shifted <laughs> because I was able to have a better level of empathy for my customer and for my prospect. And I was seeing things from a different perspective. And then my results just kind of skyrocketed. It's a great call, Luigi, on what you did. Because, you know, you know that when we go into a sale, if we have a coach or a champion, that wants yes. to see us win and will help guide us and give us information, how powerful that can be. And so you, you were smart. You went out and found somebody who had that type of experience or, or not that experience, yeah. but it was a coach that you could ask questions and find out what's going on in their business that might be able to help you to think through solutions and add value. And by the way, you were spending time planning. Smart. Yeah. That's yeah. a key. And when you reflect on your career, like, you, you know, you've, you spent a lot of time and you're fortunate to work in a business like Miller Hyman, which had some of the best IP going around at the time. What was the, one of the sort of the key moments of your career that really, um, it's what took you to another level? Well, I actually took the, the intellectual property and learned it inside and out. Like yep. a priest knows the Bible. <laughs> I, I knew it really well. But then it was all about how you implement and execute on it. Yeah. And I think that was a really big key for me. And as a sales leader, because as a salesperson, I used it and, and I could be successful, but I, I have full control over whether I use it or not use it. I mean, that, that's something I can decide to do. And then when, it be, when I became a sales leader, it really became how I went about implementing it and making sure that people were using it and guiding people and coaching people. And that's when it really became successful for me. Because now, not only could I put it to use and be successful using it, but I can help others to, be, to reach their potential and be their best. And that was key. Everybody had a clear understanding of where we were trying to go and, and we could talk to it all the time and self-assess as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you, I haven't, you know, I used to ask this every episode and uh, I, I kind of deviated away, but in your opinion, is sales an art or a science? I think it's an art and a science. How about that for an answer? Yeah, that's a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, right. there's, a, there's a process behind what we do. And when you learn that process, it makes a huge difference. I was a salesperson who learned tactical selling. I learned my very first sales training course. I remember it was professional selling skills. It was yeah. with Learning International at the time. And I thought it made a big difference. I learned how to interact one-on-one -on -one with people. But it wasn't until I said, oh, wait a minute, there's, when I get into a complex sale, like, there's a lot more involved mm -hmm. in this. I got to make sure I'm calling on the right types of customers. I have to make sure I'm calling on the right types of people. There's a whole lot more to it. 
Yeah. And that was a, made a huge breakthrough difference for me in my career when I understood that and put that to use. It is interesting, right? Because you're right. Like, I think the fundamentals of selling have not changed. And I think there is absolute science in sales. I think more so now than, than ever before because of the data, the technology and all the things. But I think what you talk about, in order to get to level five, that's the art. That's the art of practice. That's the art of rehearsal. That's the art of role play and reflecting and adapting and evolving. And for me, this is why I love selling is because no matter how, you know, how much I progress in my career and where I think that, you know what, I'm getting better. There are moments of like I had this week where it just helped me realize (laughs) that I've still got so much learning. I've still got such a ladder to climb to be the best I can be. And that is what I love about this profession. And that is what I love about this career. I feel like I still today, I feel like I've still, I've still just only scratched the surface of what's possible. Oh, me too. We're always learning, but you're right. There's the science of the process and the systems you can follow and the art of practicing it again and again and again to get good at it. But you're right. I mean, the best of the best out there are always looking to get better. They're always learning. And I think that's interesting. And I think that's what makes it fun about what we do. I agree with you. Well, David, I think we've got a couple of other episodes we could probably cut from this because, I, you know, the, the, the conversation, I could talk to you for hours about these sort of topics. But, mate, before we let you go, where can our listeners find and connect with you? Yeah, so, Luigi, there's a couple of things. One, we have, a, we have a couple of books out, and I recommend for managers, there's the Level 5 Coaching System book. Yeah. And that's out on Amazon.com. It's got five stars. It's, it's a very popular book and, and well-read. And for salespeople, I really recommend the level five selling. That's going to define what the quality call looks like. So that's a great way to get to know some of the content that we have. And they can certainly reach out to me directly anytime. And I'm happy to give my phone number out here too, if anybody has any, would like to talk personally. And I could be reached at 630-808-6516. By the way, that's US, (laughs) 630-808-6516. Well, sellers, if you've been hearing what I preach, you pick up the phone and give David a call. So thanks, David. And we'll put... We'll put some of that information in the show notes. But Dave, I just want to say thanks, mate, for, for coming on the podcast. And, and, you know, again, what you've done at Miller Hyman and what you're doing now to help sellers be the best they can be. It's fantastic to, to see what you're doing um, because our profession needs it and our profession needs people like yourself. So I just want to say thank you very much for what you do for our profession. Well, Luigi, thanks for having me on. You're, I love what you're doing and the work that you're doing. It's so impressive. So thanks for having me here. I was honored to be invited.